Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. We're back. Did you miss us? Did I I missed us. That's a weird phrase. I missed you, you I think, Bradley, is what I'm trying to say. Oh. I missed our Friday 5pm. Thanks, mate. Uh, you missed my 40th birthday as well i was well i mean it wasn't your own fault because i was uh i was drinking in a, a weatherspoons at 8 a.m uh, on my way to barcelona you know and how to then... party i mean yeah, i man, did message I just... you you say i missed you it. did i did i, I <laughs> no, didn't, didn't forget didn't. it was happening no 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 of course you, not. you then sent me pictures of that 8 a.m point while i was oh, at I the did. desk doing work for our company we own oh yeah swanning you... off to you... barcelona you were probably drinking an 8 a.m. pint as well, I imagine. <laughs> That's how you roll these days. <laughs> Fast and free. Um, t- tell me about Barcelona. How was it? Oh, dude, it was great. You've been on holiday as well, but yeah. I, so I went there, just the very last minute thing, 40th birthday. Found a cheap deal because I love a bargain, Johnny. I love a bargain. I'm always on the lookout for, for a good offer. And we stayed in a four-star hotel just off... Uh, uh, well, in El Raval, just off La Ramblas, which is like the mega touristy Ooh, tourist town, road. Yeah. That, yeah, but it's in El Raval, which is like, it's a nice bit. I always stay around there. Um, literally about a two minute walk to La Boqueria. So we were going to La Boqueria for breakfast, um, which was incredible. And um, we managed to, that that's the, the giant food market that's in Barcelona, sort of mm. town centre. We managed to... Uh, one day get seats at one of the very sought after little uh, tapas bars that, that you, you can go and sort of have uh, oysters and you know lots of fresh fish from the market and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think I even know what those seats look like because I've never seen one vacant. Oh, mate, I tell you, I, I just, it, we went down there quite early because they're always just rammed and people queue behind people that sat down, which is super weird and, that would i've got awkward, i've got yeah. i've got some social anxieties but mm. that 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 would I, I couldn't stand that you know no that would be I, I feel awkward you know like in a pub where you hover like the other side of the room because somebody looks like they might finish <laughs> their pint and might be leaving could couldn't yeah. stand behind someone or be stood behind while eating no uh it was it was so worth it i mean it was incredible i was i was drinking i mean i'm in barcelona johnny and the only beers they had available were Estrella um but i i in the mornings i like to drink clara which is like um they put cloudy lemonade half cloudy lemonade half australia dam together I'm into it, and yeah. you have that 
And I'm, it's I'm trying, just I'm very racking my brains to, to remember in the ta- the lager taste test that I did. I think yeah. Estrella tasted a bit like um, is it like bubble gummy? There was something it's... weird about Spanish yeast. San Miguel had it as well. Yeah, um, I'm not a fan of Estrella. Only when in the Catalonia, uh, only when in in uh, Catalan. Yeah, will I drink it? Over here, I've mistakenly got it once in a can because I wanted to recreate the feeling of sort of walking to Barcelona Beach and getting a street vended 50 cent can, ice cold can as you're wandering to the beach. Like 50 what, what were you like just stood by beer. the Thames or something? Uh, I think I might have bought it in Tesco or somewhere else. <laughs> other other supermarkets are available. Uh, and it just it just tastes crap. I mean, it doesn't taste amazing when you're out there either, but it's ice cold. Context and is everything is, with these beers. The, the that's it. Bad and, beer, context know, can rescue it. Yeah. Which brings me on. So we, we had this great experience in there in the market. And then we also went to Campaixano, or I like to call it La Champaneria, which is right by the beach uh, in El Bourne. And that place is just epic. It's like a local's tapas bar. Um, but when you go in, you have to, uh, they won't serve you. They only serve, sorry, they only serve carver. So you buy an ice cold bottle of ro- rosé, rosette carver for like five euros. And then they give you these little, um, I think they're called coupe glasses. They're like martini glasses. And you, you stand at a table if you're lucky enough to get a table, sipping ice cold pink drink and eating a little hamburger because they won't let you uh, buy a drink unless you buy food. So I had two hamburgers. And then we had like all these like pickled things and little croquettes and all kinds of stuff. Amazing, amazing. I also went to, uh, where did I go? I went to Garage Beer Co. And I drank some soup, which tasted amazing. I know you're Just a big fan of Just to clarify, that is a New England IPA, not, not no, Brad deciding no, no, no. he really wanted some Heinz while on holiday. No, I mean, I always want... Everybody to, always to, wants I went, to give Yeah, it. yeah, I always, I always take a tin of uh, Heinz <laughs> spaghetti hoops in my, in my bag. No, I don't. Imagine that. What film is that where they, where they, his bag's full of Monster Munch? Do you remember that film? I don't remember what it is. Could be one of your fever dreams again, Bradley. It's not ringing yeah, a bell. There's a, there's a guy who goes on holiday and his bag is just full of Monster Munch because he doesn't like p- food. P- p- pickled onion? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, sorry, you shouldn't yeah, really to need to clarify, but I just want to make sure because I, <laughs> I do quite like Flaming Hot. Mate, did you know what? They're growing on me. Flaming Hot are definitely pretty good. I also love beef. I mean, they're all. Oh great. no, the be- the beef is the beef. The beef. There's better beef crisps, but there's no but better, no better pickled no. onion. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, have you seen the beef? It's a TV show. Just to go on a massive tangent now. Is it it's like very good. it's like the opposite of Cowspiracy? Shit! It's called the bear, not the beef. Sorry. Oh, it's the, the chef the bear. It's like yeah, boiling yeah, yeah, point, yeah. but a series. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, on, it's, it's on my list. But some, it, it's I, so I, good. I read a review that said uh, to come to calm down afterwards. Watch something like Uncut Gems, so they're implying uh, yeah. it's incredibly stressful. Mate, it is so ridiculously stressful. But I've just I just slammed the whole series like a uh, couple of nights this week, and it was it was just epic. I've, Very um... slow slow burn at the start, but it's the acting in it is phenomenal, and oh. it's set in <laughs> chi- Chicago uh, in this in this little uh, slice joint, like a kind of uh beef beef sandwich kind of place called it's called the beef uh the beef of chicago the original beef of chicago land that's the name of the restaurant it's very good 
I really, I'll really give it, enjoyed I'll give it. A look. I've been I've been slamming my way through uh, Welcome to Wrexham, mm. which I think you should watch. What's that? Because I, I know oh. you don't get football. This is the Rob Mc- McKenney thing, right? Where yeah, where he bought uh, Wrexham. I love him. I love him. Him uh, and Ryan Reynolds bought Wrexham Football Club, and it is yeah. If anybody hasn't watched it, it's like Friday Night Lights, but for real. It is <laughs> utterly amazing, uh, and I, I put it on, and, and my wife. Well, I asked my wife if we could watch it, and was surprised that she was just like, "Yeah, sounds good." Um, we we both kind of love Ryan Reynolds. We don't love his films, but we love Ryan Reynolds, um, and uh, it is utterly amazing and you do not have to love football but if you don't love football it might just persuade you that there's more to football than um well than balls and feet not balls well, it's ball not balls yeah let's ball. <laughs> a ball um man that sounds great I, it's on my list but i couldn't because it's so football-y i was like oh can i do it i don't know it's but not i was i've just <coughs> i've just got into um watching ted lasso series two again last night uh, which you, you, I think you said it goes, it tails off a bit. Series two, uh, we gave I, up I, on series two. We really yeah. didn't like it. I, I fell asleep watching it, so that probably is testament to it mm. tailing off a bit. But I do like Brett Goldstein, who is, I think, uh, where well, he's retired. Well, I wouldn't want to spoil it. Sorry, uh, he's in it and he's great. I listened to his podcast, uh, films to be buried with. With Brett, I don't Goldstein, think it's a spoiler that he's in it. He's like this one yeah, of the stars. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. He does a very odd, gravelly voice, which is he kind of in his podcast. He kind of sounds like Noel Fielding, but oh, in really, Ted? La- yeah, 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 yeah. Almost the spit for Noel, like vocally, but he can do like a gra- a gravelly voice, which is his sort of. Well, he uses it as a kind of you know character voice, I guess. In go. in his podcast, sometimes proper acting. Yeah, it's great. Um, I'm, I'm conscious i'm conscious that we we couldn't have talked less about beer since we started there's been a lot of pink Oof. carver a lot yeah. of good tv show chat should we talk about yeah. my holiday mate well let's go on to your holiday so i i i didn't go to barcelona i went to still it was a very warm and sunny place which was the peak district mm. Uh, so Fam- we were staying famously staying in, warm and sunny. Famously warm and sunny. Well, I mean, it was. We were we were walking up, um, walk walk walking up the peaks in t-shirts. With I had a baby on my wow. back, so I was very very warm. But um, we went to the Buxton Tap House, which was really great. From the photos, I thought it was like a little dingy, uh, a, a small sort of dingy craft beer bar. But actually, it's a really nice, open, spacious, uh, quite kind of what's the word i'm looking for like almost speakeasy kind of vibe uh with really really good beer there's the red willow tap where we only went for one but really enjoyed that as well that's in an old bank it's a bit more uh i mean it feels fancy you know it's quite an odd feel to be honest it's not quite where i'd usually like to drink but they've done it pretty well and and the beer was was delicious red willow were a real um unsung hero i guess in the craft beer movement they really they came out of like in my head they were just like a normal kind of cask brewery but they've really worked exceptionally hard they brew an incredible range of styles they still do lots of traditional stuff very well but lots of exciting new stuff and lots of heritage stuff as well like milds and things like that um and making really good lagers as well and smoked beer had a great smoked beer from them quite recently so yeah that and then i went to thornbridge nice twice mate it was so good. Twice? Yeah, it was so wow. good. So I went. Sorry, we both went. We all went. The family went. And 
I wasn't driving that day and we had to go back the next day because my wife wanted to have a couple of drinks because the beers were tasting <laughs> that good. So we had, wow. to, had to go twice. And the pizzas, uh, I, I wouldn't quite write home about it because I'm not really sure my parents are that interested. But it was good pizza as well. You, you'd, you'd appreciate the pizza, Brad. Nice. I'm just looking at Bruxton, Buxton Brewery Tap House, which looks amazing. Yeah, it's really it's nice. It's a beautiful pub. So that's in Buxton, right, which is a spa town. Yeah, so right in the heart of it, right by right behind the crescent in Buxton. It's kind of like uh, the bath of the north, isn't it? I would say I've not really been to Buxton much, but it's it, it had a lot of money, or it still has a lot of money, right? From being almost like a kind of yeah, like a Victorian spa town. Yeah, I get, I mean, I don't know how much money it had, but definitely, I think they even got like the yeah. same town planner from Bath. They looked at Bath and went, really? you know, we've got the water, we should be doing something similar. Yeah, yeah, um, and that was. I mean, they they did a pretty great job, and it's it's a real beer town. Like some really great pubs. It's got two great tap rooms. It's a short drive to other great places. It is if you're a beer lover and an outdoors lover, I heartily recommend uh, the Peaks. The Lake District is pretty good. You've got Lakes Bruco, um, you've got some decent pubs, but the Peaks is a little bit smaller. So if you really want to drink and enjoy. Uh, the outdoors the peaks is is pretty great and Thor- thornbridge was the highlight like the beers are just uh, they're just <laughs> world class really i yeah i always forget you know because i mostly drink jaipur that's the one that gets out of sort of the north out of sheffield out of the peaks most but damn when you're when i was at that tap room and i had i had a brilliant kolsch a brilliant pilsner green mountain is a fantastic sort of hazy session ipa i had um a pint of the failing of the the Oktoberfest beer that won the blind taste test that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, just all of the beers were absolutely goddamn stellar, and yeah, they they I don't think they get enough love from the the hardcore beer geeks. I think every, everybody, lots of people in their craft beer journeys probably just get to Thornbridge and stop. I'd imagine because it's just yeah. it's just that good. It's kind of the peak. If you want really well made but very sessiony beer, there's nobody in the UK that does it better. And I forgot that until I went back twice. This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music, and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time, I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers, and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. I am just looking at the Thornbridge uh, tap room, which looks like it's a frigging aircraft hangar. It looks massive. Yeah, it's a big old, big um, old warehouse. They've converted half of it, and then now behind that is the brewery that used to be up at the country house. So they're right, brewing, okay. brewing stuff in there all the time. So it's a cool, cool venue. It could have been really empty and cold, and it is, you know, it is big, and it isn't like sort of that comfortable or homely, but it, it is still a really nice, light, airy place to to hang out. Dude, are you? If basically your holiday was a recce for us doing uh, uh, sort of northern slash peaks 
road trip uh, Hike, to all hiking the through the peaks right? to all the the peak 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 craft beer places yeah man i think that'd be great even just a little like a road trip in uh you know we just drive around and hit them all i think that'd be fantastic well maybe um, uh maybe it'll happen um the guy the uh i had a guy come tint my renault kangoo <laughs> windows this week johnny it's a very broad sentence and his name was darren right and uh he was a super nice guy got talking to him uh and he was like oh you got a little he's like i said oh this is like a little mini camper van basically i've got a little bed thing i can fold out in the back he's like sweet he's like i've got a stealth camper I was like, oh, wow, why have you got that? And he's like, oh, I basically just go around and run up mountains. I was like, what? So he's a fell runner, a fell and runner. he runs up uh, Ben Nevis. He said he can run up Ben Nevis in about two hours and run down it in a, just over an hour. He said, which... you, you say you can. Most people can't. And probably when he said you no, no, can, I'm pretty sure can. we... <laughs> he can. No, no, sorry, he can. He ah. can run up Ben Nevis in Bonkers. just over two hours. I was like, Wow. That's amazing. So, yeah, uh, weird sort of interconnected world we live in where, where you're talking about running up a, uh, a mountain with your baby on your back and then... There, there was no Darren. running involved. Well, maybe to the toilet. A lot of sweating, which might have been happening with sweating. Darren. But, uh, yeah, the yeah. sweat was running down your face. There you it go. really That's was. The, it was there warm. There was, but that on, looks the, like... on, on the first day, we thought we'd do a quick walk up to... It's called Solomon's Temple, which is just outside of Buxton. Oh boy, that that's a steep that, climb. That sounds like something out of uh, an Indiana Jones film, Solomon's Temple. Really? Solomon's Temple, yeah. I mean, it should be something out of it, but uh, out of something like that. But I, I looked up the history of it, and it was just like the town. Ta- there used to be a temple up there, and I think it got knocked down or was ruined. Uh, it was a ruin, and then the townspeople just went, "Oh, we'll build another." So it's only about 120 years old, and there's nothing in it. It's just, it's just a round tower. But I mean, it looks cool. It's just. You know, I wanted a bit more authenticity, particularly after the I, sweat I gave. When I was a kid, I really liked it. I think it's probably quite a bad film now. I really like this film called King Solomon's Mines, which was about um, Alan Quatermain, who was like a sort of, it's a Victorian, it's based on a Victorian novel about a, a sort of like British explorer who's a bit like Indiana Jones, but like this is written in the Victorian times. Uh, and thinking about it, it's probably like, very bad like i've never read the book but it's probably like there are like zulu warriors in it and stuff i think from memory the film maybe uh it's probably all kinds of politically incorrect these days but i remember as a kid thinking oh alan quartermain he's kind of like a british indiana jones uh king solomon's mines are this mythical place where king solomon had got all of the wonders of the world and like stuck them in this underground mine which he's sort of looking for but, uh, did, why did, did I start did talking they find it? Oh, you I, said... I have no... Because uh, Solomon. Yeah, Solomon's oh, yeah. Temple. Solomon. Solomon's Temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was why I went off on that one. But anyway. <laughs> um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, you love uh, your man. What's his <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this week, I also watched uh, Mississippi Grind with my girlfriend, which I think is my favourite Ryan Reynolds film. Uh, it's fuck it. It's just a tour de force of acting chops from from Ryan. I don't think he's the best actor in the world. <laughs> no, he's really he's, not. As soon as he said that, I was like, "You sure it's Ryan Reynolds?" <laughs> he's very charismatic, though. And he is, he's, but he's the he's, same guy in every film. He's whatever the opposite of a character actor is. 
Somebody just that is just themselves in every film. Uh, well, he's alongside possibly the best character actor of our generation, potentially. Uh, ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn. Love that ben was going to be my second guess. Yeah. Lo- I love Ben Mendelsohn, and and they're both like uh, so. It's called Mississippi Grind. They're both um, kind of like gambling addicts, I guess, but. Ryan Reynolds is like more carefree and he's 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 sort of like obviously beautiful, charming, uh a hit with the ladies, and then Ben Mendelssohn is kinda of like a sad character. But they go on this really cool road trip uh down the Mississippi, hitting up all of the places to bet. And it's all about like you know, knowing when to quit and all this kind of stuff. It's fucking brilliant. I love it. I think it's on. It's on something at the minute because I watched I'll, it on I'll, telly. I'll have to give it a, the other day. Give it a look. Yeah. Mostly, my Fantastic. love for, for for Ryan comes from his his um, his fashion sense, it, and also he did yeah, a really yeah. good film, uh, which is not something I say often about Ryan Reynolds. But um, Green Lantern, Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's the one where he, he's in a computer game. God damn it, my brain's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that film. It's yeah. okay. I've, I saw it in the cinema twice, I think. But I Did do you? have a. I have a cinema card, so I went on my own, right. and then I took my girlfriend because she You're was like, like "Hey, oh. it's not bad." Well, she was like, oh, "I really wanted to see that." I was like, "Oh, go on then." But it's okay. It's pretty fun. I, I mean, yeah. his best, his other best thing is Deadpool. I mean, Deadpool's pretty funny. Yeah, I um, mean, I I really don't enjoy superhero movies, but I think I watched that on a plane. I was like, "Yeah, I, I can see the appeal of this one." Yeah, it's like an anti, it's like an anti-hero kind of superhero yeah. guy, isn't he? Yeah, so, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Anyway, Brad, we, we've fuck. deviated so yeah. far away from beer again, <laughs> right? Well, so, Johnny, this this brings us on nicely to uh, some of the comments, mate. <laughs> yeah, should we should that. we address that one first then? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, we we had a comment on uh, this week's video, which has nothing to do with the video, which is very on theme for Craft Beer Channel, uh, from mm. Stumble Booty. I'd love yeah. to know the story behind that name. Um, he says, love the podcast. Not complaining at all, but I really like the longer episode you guys did somewhat recently, about 40 minutes. I thought it was perfect, and I'd also like some more unedited Brad. Now, oh, come on. I, I replied to this and said, we aim for under 30. Maybe we're selling you all short. And then, well, everyone weighed in and went, no, 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 we want more. Yeah, I mean, we had uh, John Merrick, who I'm presuming is not the elephant man, John Merrick. He said, FW... IW? Well, I don't know what that acronym means, do you? For what it's worth. Ah, for what it's worth. I am dyslexic, sorry, for what it's worth. Uh, for what it's worth, I reckon go long on podcasts. All my favourites are essentially a hangout. And I get disappointed when an episode is under 90 minutes. Jesus. Yeah, blimey. I'm not sure we can stretch to that. I mean, we're, we're working um, on it on this episode, but we'll see. Yeah. It. I mean... It's interesting. So the first thing I'd say is, you know, you leave them wanting more. Isn't this proof we're doing this podcast right? But the the concept of the podcast, because back when we launched this, we had another um, another format, which was the long form interview podcast. And that's where, where all this started. We started the Friday 5pm because we wanted something a bit more regular. We wanted an opportunity to talk about the behind the scenes stuff. And clearly we wanted to talk about films. So we, we launched Friday 5pm sort of format as a quick wind down to the weekend so you crack open your first beer of the weekend you listen to the friday 5 p.m you know you can you can say to your partner or your friends i just i just need half an hour or you can um you can you know on the commute or something like that it's it's done by the time you get home because the thing that annoys me about really long podcasts is because of the way that my life is i can never (laughs) listen to them in one go Hmm. so the whole concept of this was that it was going to be really short but equally it 
if people find 45 minutes still short enough and still super entertaining, then I will 100% stretch to that. Um, it it depends. I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So, so like, please tweet us, Facebookers, DM us on any of the social medias uh, and let us know what your thoughts are about this. Because if you are always disappointed when it's 20, 25 minutes long and you're like, you know, I could put aside 45 minutes for this, you know, 40 minutes is probably about the right time for, for a beer. Um, yeah. Well, maybe that's a little bit long. Maybe for two beers. So so may, maybe I, we are underselling it. Maybe we should aim for just over 30 instead of under 30 and let it let it roll a bit longer. I don't know. Mate, I mean, I... It depends how you... I like, I think there are different podcasts for different times, right? So if I'm working just throughout the day, I'll put on sort of... If I'm not listening to music, I'll put on familiar people that I just love uh, listening to. Uh even if it's not like the best quality podcast. So I've been listening a lot to Nick Helm. Do you remember Nick Helm, the comedian? Yeah, uh, the name rings a bell. He's he's in Uncle. You might know him from Uncle, the TV the TV series on. It was on like BBC, where he plays like a scruffy uncle. That's to sort of help out with his nephew. Uh, anyway, he's very funny. He's very self-deprecating. Uh, and he's got a podcast called Fan Club with another guy called Nathaniel Metcalf. Which is, it's, the audio recording quality is terrible. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Apparently they've got a producer. Sounds like shit, mate. It sounds absolutely terrible. But they're both really quite uh, entertaining. I love Nick. Uh, I love his sort of style of comedy. And they just talk about film uh, for like half an hour. And then they'll get a guest on and they'll just ask them about film, essentially. And other stuff. I like, and that's quite long. I like listening to that. Um Films to be buried with, I've just mentioned that. That's great. That's also very long. That's like an hour and a half long. Um, I've recently got in... Well, I used to like listening to Chatting Shit with uh, Alan Sieper uh, and Hugo Chegwin from um, uh, People Just Do Nothing. How are you listening to all these podcasts? Well, I mean, I guess you're a designer, so you can... Yeah. Because I'm writing, I can't... Yeah. yeah. No, that's the thing. So or I'm editing. just I'm either designing or drawing stuff. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um Andrew Callahan, uh who does Channel Five News with Andrew Callahan, probably my one of my favourite things on YouTube. Uh he's a bit like a Louis Ferrou, but he sort of he travels around in an R V in America meeting fringe groups in society and the sort of like strange you underbelly know, of America. You sort of flirt it flirting with a thing that I've yeah. been thinking about with podcasts, which is, you know, every, pretty much every celebrity these days has a podcast, particularly if you're white, male, and a celeb. Mm. Um, and a lot of them are pretty awful. And I think podcasts, more than almost any other format, may, maybe YouTube as well, they need yeah. a little bit of magic that you can't quite predict, you know? like So you can have terrible sound quality, but if there's chemistry between the hosts or the format... Exactly is really strong it can really work so i'm just a little bit worried about tweaking our format because it has been significantly more successful than the long format that we did um yeah it's something that we really really enjoy making and i wonder if we go to 45 minutes each time are we going to run out of stuff to say is it going to be too much of a burden every friday to, to put this together over the first beer of the weekend and I don't know. This is probably the sort of stuff that we should talk about off air, but it, it's, I don't know. When something's working, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's something I say a lot in my life. Uh, basically, yeah, it's an excuse yeah. to be lazy, but um, I don't know. I think I think we'll leave it to the listeners. So 
the best way to get in touch with us is join our Patreon, where we're in our forum. Well, I'm certainly in the forum <laughs> all day long avoiding work. Um, <coughs> so drop drop in there. Sling us $2 while you're at it. Support the podcast, because that means mm. we can spend more time on it. Um, and let us know your thoughts. Or just drop us a, a, a DM or a public message. doesn't need to be a DM. And, you know, if if I, I reckon, you know, we could go to 45 minutes every week without ruining the format. Well, the the thing that Nick Helm does with his buddy is they'll talk for half an hour about what they always talk about. And then they'll get someone on the phone to chat to them about what they do, which I quite like. I mean, they don't they don't get too heavy. They just so, we, you know, we could ring like a guest, a guest star to come but, in. I mean, that's almost be... what the bubble was about. It was yeah, yeah. chatting to somebody about their world. But um, that was the whole format of that, right? Whereas this could be me and you for half an hour and then we bring someone else in to just sort of uh ask them about what they do potentially yeah, maybe although that makes that makes editing a lot trickier and, I mean, and the, all that kind of stuff maybe the other thing is we do like a monthly a monthly rundown so like every fourth friday 5 p.m is a a friday 5 till 6 p.m and it's you know it's it's longer form perhaps we could have a guest perhaps we could drink specific beers like like a proper cliche beer podcast where you talk nonsense about beer with a guest and drink specific beers we could even let yeah. people know what those beers are going to be in advance and they could drink along with it and just try and find yeah once a month do a longer format that's still released at friday on friday at 5 p.m but is you know a look back because also another mm. thing that happens is we we talk about the comments from that week's video mm. but actually a lot of views happen over the weekend, obviously, because people's lives are busy. A lot of comments come in later. A lot of the more considered comments come in a little bit later. No no yeah. shade to the people we're about to talk about with this week's uh, videos. But I don't know, may- maybe there's something where we can we can take a slightly longer view of what we're doing and take a slightly longer format without messing too much with this. Because also, I mean, the reason I missed doing Friday 5pm last week is because it's actually the time where you and me communicate least about the work stuff you know like we need to do the thumbnail we need to contact these people we need to design this it's more us actually having a conversation about beer culture and culture more widely so i'd never want to lose that because i think otherwise we'd just be colleagues (laughs) to some extent exactly mate well that's it right it's like you say it's it's when we get to be our most unedited how we really are in real life and just as good friends just having a a debunk of the week Debunk, that's the wrong word, but like a... I mean, sometimes we need to debunk things that have been said. There, there is an error yeah, in this yeah. week's video, which uh, might be a little segue. Should we get to it? Go on then. So we'll, we'll cover this week's video first, in which there is a small error I want to clarify, which is that in the video, because I'm not, I'm not thinking, I'm in the flow of things, I say that cold IPAs are fermented at the same temperatures as most lagers, and that's not strictly true. Lots of them are, but others are fermented significantly warmer than... Right. Okay lager temperatures so they're using lager yeast but they're fermenting even as high as like 18 where you'd start using like the chico strain and stuff like that um like a classic west coast strain so i just wanted to make that clear that part of the style is fermenting warm so it could be warm as in you're fermenting at 12 at the top end of a lager yeast or you could literally be doing it at a very warm temperature which means that the the yeast will clear up its its mess quicker but it has lots of other risks you can bring out other things in there and i've been really surprised by 
how few esters and, and off flavors there have been in these cold IPAs. They have ended up really clean, which kind of kind of ruins this whole idea that you have to ferment lager slow and low and slow. If you could just, you know, get Saf lager fermented at 19 and cold crash it and make a lager, you know, that's a bit of a bit of a game changer. So I need to d- dive into that. I've spoken to some brewers about it because it's confusing me. I've been having a WhatsApp with uh, head brewer Verdant about... Um, he just messaged me saying, like, cold IPA seems to have baffled you, Johnny. Um, so I'm having a chat with him about it all. And I'll, I'll try and get to the bottom of how you can ferment these lagers way hotter than they're supposed to be. I'd li- I would like I like the idea of making a, a homebrew channel video of the fastest lager in the world kind of thing. Could we could we call could we call it uh, it's Chico time? Well, I mean, um, there there is a, a quite yeast that's used for making faux lagers. Um, I think yeah. uh, the Apartment Brewer, which is a great YouTube channel, homebrewing channel. I think he's just done a comparison between he right. brewed he brewed. I think he brewed a fest beer with like like the Vaya Stefan, like a classic lager yeast, and then one with um with this Vike yeast, um to see if you can taste the difference and i need to um i need to dig into that to see there's lots of cool stuff i think you know once the grandfather project is done which it almost is we're doing our final video we're just doing the research now these are the kind of videos i'd love to do a bit brewlosophy-esque but not scientific like brewlosophy stuff where like we go like do you have to ferment lager cold or mm. like all of these things like do you have to mash for an hour do you have to boil for an hour things like this that are just perceived rules in brewing but We've done so much to our ingredients, improved our ingredients so much. Maybe, maybe we don't have to. You know, malt is so well modified these days. It, you might only need a half hour mash. So, I mean, I guess these sort of timings are sort of safety nets, aren't they? Where it's like, if you do this, yeah, it's you're pretty much work. guaranteed. But that, I you're mean, not... yeah. But then also, like, it... the most of the comments we get on our home on homebrew sort of videos and stuff is, you know, I did this mash regime and I didn't hit my numbers after an hour. So you could do it in thirty, mm. you could do it in two hours. It's um I mean that that a great brewer knows how to control those elements. But um yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of potential potential for exploring the unwritten rules or the very much written rules of, of homebrew. Nice. Well look we had uh we had some good comments on video. Uh we had one from Eiling Doyle Wade uh, about the can of Fremont Legend Cold IPA, which we were speculating what the bird was on the front. And they said, I believe the bird on the Fremont Legend Cold IPA is a great blue heron, native bird of the Pacific Northwest region. Uh, and and I imagine Fremont uses it in a lot of its branding. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I always like finding out about uh, birds. Is that called ornithology? Is that ornithology? Birds, Twitching? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So birds mate yeah great, great blue heron heron sorry not heron great blue heron johnny um <laughs> herons are shits aren't they because they people uh, who have koi carp you know you get like sort of older men that have got like a pond in their garden spend thousands of pounds on carp thousands thousands of pounds on koi carp and then fucking uh, herons come along and just pinch them out down it, in one sort of job is it old men that get koi carp and then it's young People that get koi carp tattoos. What? What? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, the the koi carp tattoo thing isn't that like a yakuza traditional Japanese tattoo thing, right? So oh, that goes I, I into that. Yeah, in like the sort of because uh, the only people historically in Japan that, that got tattoos were criminals. Like, well, oh. I, I don't know if I'm talking out my ass here, but 
Yakuza certainly have. They have full back tattoos, which are like incredible. And that j- traditional Japanese style is a lot of sort of fluid koi carps and like beautiful flowers, like blossom flowers and all this kind of like. Sounds very wholesome uh, for a criminal. Well, but then you get sort of ones that have got like, uh, is it Hanuman sort of face? It's like a devil face. Uh, I, I'm not, I've, I haven't got a single tattoo. I don't believe you have either, right? You haven't seen um, my. No, no, I don't. So, like, we probably we're not the best people to talk about tattooing, but well, I'm sure some, like somebody tattoos. somebody can message us and explain why people have koi carps on their bodies, why old people have koi carp in their ponds, and why herons love expensive fish. Maybe they're just because they know, prob- just fancy like that. Do you yeah. reckon they taste good? I reckon they taste great. Probably it tastes like. Well, um, we don't really eat carp, do we? That's not a no. no. Are they bottom feeders or something? I don't know. Uh, is a carp a bottom feed? I mean, I. That's a good question, Johnny. They've got a funny-shaped mouth. I reckon they are a bottom feeder. <laughs> They've got a funny-shaped mouth. Some of them have got, like, whiskers as well, haven't they? Almost like a catfish, potentially. Maybe, maybe I'm I definitely mean, talking all, out my arse now. Of all of the digressions <laughs> we've taken today, that one is, is, is the best. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I got a comment from Joshua Stania, who says, Go Mate. On. Mate. Mate. Uh, yeah. I'm in Portland, Oregon, so he definitely doesn't speak like that. <laughs> Uh, and have plenty of these available. We distribute Wayfinder, so I presume he's a distributor, and work with what I believe is one of the minds behind the style. Uh, they do actually vary quite substantially between breweries. Maybe we should send you a mix pack to try. Uh, we'd love that if it wasn't an absolute nightmare to do. Um, but So basically, it seems, particularly with young styles, lots of people misinterpret them, which we thought might have been the case, but the fact that both of them in the video were so similar kind of implied that they hadn't. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of variation in the style, and I think that the one that we had, I think the Fremont, Fremont one was a bit. I, ju- I just, I will never think that Hoppy Corona is a good idea. So no. I'm intrigued to try like an all Pilsner with rice, super hoppy, biotransformed IPA. That could be great, and my understanding is that that is closer to what the Wayfinder one is. Right. But I had a comment. Corn and IPA, Cor- never. No, I'm not a big corn fan. Unless you're talking about the 90s, uh, late 90s or 2000, um, uh, 2000 free on a leash variety. Yeah, uh, I've been, I've been. So another thing I like uh, talking to podcasts and listening to stuff when I'm designing, I sometimes put on a YouTube channel called Trash Theory, where the guy just talks about different music scenes and like the genesis of them and like where they came from and all this stuff. So I was listening to one yesterday about uh, rap metal which I fucking hate, really. But it was quite interesting to hear where that had kind of come from and the, the sort of the, the fusion of, of both together. Um, so, yeah. Does sound interesting. Uh, let's go away from that. But like, I had a comment from Splattermelt talking of like different... He <laughs> sounds like a rap metal artist. It does. Splattermelt, uh, they, were, they were real... They were really a hard, a heavy cut. You know, they were like... <laughs> you'd have to be really into the rap metal to appreciate Splattermelt. Uh yeah, he said, cannot speak for the beers you tried. However, had Sierra Nevada's caught cold torpedo, Johnny. I love the sound of that. Cold I- uh, He had Sierra Nevada's cold torpedo, cold IPA months back and thought that was pretty good. Refreshing, crisp and still carried a likewise flavour to their noteworthy regular torpedo. Worked for me on a hot summer day mm. and didn't taste anything like a hoppy corona, thankfully. But I bet of it didn't taste we... anything like mm. torpedo either, because torpedo, no. the joy of torpedo is rich malt character with 
massive hot bitterness and sticky yeah. sticky resin. It's God a weird love choice by Sierra. I mean, I guess they did yeah. it to their IPA, but I'd have picked you know hazy little thing or something and 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 done it. Well, that, I mean, that's not uh, that's not a West Coast IPA, so in theory that shouldn't work. But I don't know. Yeah, these big multi West Coasters don't don't ruin those. No, it's supposed it's supposed to but be an addition. Yeah, I do like I do like torpedo, so I'd like to drink one of those. Please. But all you're going to have left at that point is is the hop combination, which, all due respect to hops, is yeah. only a very small part of what makes West Coast IPAs really good. And that's something I sort of learned when I was brewing it. It was like most of the conversation that I had with Vinny when we were doing that was not about the the hop selection. It was a little bit about the hop process, but really all the magic was happening in the mash. Yeah, and and a bit Freddy's. in the boil with the with the hopping regime. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm not particularly interested in in cold cold torpedo, but I would be interested in Sierra Nevada cold IPA because I think I think they yeah. would do it very well because they have you know 40 years Pedigree. of making exceptionally clean West Coast beers. Um, so we we had uh, I, I man, I we still need to do that trip. We need to go to the torpedo room and do a we West do. Coast. Well, adventure. after um after our documentary with Siren, I've got. I've got Ken's email now, so uh, there's no Gotta escaping us. Yeah. Uh, we, do we want more comments? I have a couple of shorter comments. Oh so we had one from CT, who said, I tried Tiny Rebels Cold Fermented IPA. It reminded me of Coors Light. Yuck. That yep. doesn't sound good. Uh, yeah. One Wolf said, hmm, I'm still intrigued by them. I would love to try one. The mouthfeel and the texture piqued my curiosity the most. So that was the thing I liked most was the, the texture of them. Very yeah, I mean, there should be foamy. more beer with natural carbonation because it is yeah. it is a, a markedly different texture. And, mm. you know, with, with IPAs, you might want a spikier carbonation because it helps with the perception of that bitterness. But, you know, spunning a New England IPA could really help with that velvetiness. Um, any lager, you know, a hoppy lager could really benefit from that. Just don't stick fucking corn in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, should we go on to the beer expert video, Johnny? Yes. Do you want to tell us briefly what that was about, what you were what you were doing with that one? <laughs> so, yeah, last week's video, uh, which we didn't get to cover last week because I was away, was a beer expert blind taste test in which I tasted 14 British brewed fest beers and compared it to Paulana Fest beer, which is sort of the, the best-selling one in the world, and was super impressed with the quality of them. You know, the UK is not famous for its quality lagers it's starting to get there there's you know i'd probably say 10 15 breweries that can make it world class and then there's a big cohort that can make them really really well but i was amazed by how good a lot of these were even right down at the bottom they were still very tasty beers um and i did that because well as you know my latest book a year in beer was all about seasonality and i was just really excited to see you know other than christmas beer like the strongest element of seasonality i've seen in british brewing in a long time um so we had fest beers and then we had pretty good showing for green hot beers as well so seasonality is coming back i'm not sure how much credit i can take but it is coming back um and yeah they were they were great did i mean i've saved a bunch for you bradley um yeah i did drink all of the thornbridge one because it was so good but i still have uh i still have a braybrook and a verdant and a couple of others that, that came pretty high up that you can try um, beautiful because they they were they were amazing and it was good. I wanted to try out the beer expert format on less trashy things, I guess. So mm. what I'd love to do is to do, you know, 
maybe our Christmas video this year should be you and me doing a beer expert blind taste testing Christmas beers. Mm. Um, I'm going to definitely do a low alcohol one in January. Um, probably a low alcohol lager one and maybe a low alcohol like hoppy one as well, though there's so few good hoppy low alcohols. So I don't know how much fun that will be. But yeah, so that was good. Uh, that format worked. It's obviously not being watched as much as the trashy ones, but that's cool. Um, no. The people that watched it really enjoyed it, I think. I got to try a couple of these beers because you, you gave me a few you had left over. So oh, did I drank I? some lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was very generous of you. So I had some uh, with my, my uh, dinner last weekend. Uh-huh. Um, I had Verdant Fest beer, which didn't actually score that well. It was quite low at the list for you. I thought it was delicious. I, it was a delicious and, beer, just not very festy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it, probably. And then the, I had the Donzonko Fest beer as well, which I thought was great. That's cool, um, Brett. I think that came like fourth or maybe mid, It's mid. No, no. It's, I'm actually looking at the table right now. So should I run through the table? Uh, uh, right, starting from first. So first place, Paul Lana. We'd be a bit worried if it didn't. Uh, second place, Thornbridge. Banging. I haven't had that one. Uh, Braybrook. Uh, third. Manchester. Hang on. Third. Yeah, third. Manchester Union, fourth. Lost and Grounded, fifth. Donzoko, sixth. Utopian, seventh. Track, eighth. Dea and Braybrook, nine. Verdant, ten. McCall's, eleven. Pillars, twelve. St. Mars, thirteen. Abbeydale, fourteen. So, I mean, that is a, that's a, a fucking incredible list of incredible breweries. Uh, British breweries that, that, you, that you sampled there. So, amazing to see them all getting in on the fun. Yeah, and the, the, the thing um, I also want to say is a little shout out to McCall's, who are not a brewery I'd ever had, but they got in touch when I put out a little plea on social for anybody making fest beers, and they sent us a good couple of beers, and after we filmed uh, after we filmed our Oktoberfest video together, Bradley, we tried the Dry Hop Saison from McCall's that was yeah. absolutely stellar. Banging. It Beautiful. was amazing. Beautiful I messaged beer. them and said how good it was, and they said, yeah, we really love it. It really doesn't sell, but we just keep brewing it because we love it. There's Motoweka and... Oh, God, what was it? Motoweka and Sars, I think. Dry hopped uh, Saison, and it was so good. Like I keep thinking about it. And in fact, I put it... I've just finished writing. I'm writing a section for Camera's Good Beer Guide. Uh, sorry, oh, yeah. Good Brewery Guide, I think it's called. Um, and I, I, I had to put it in there as one of my top 10 beers of the year. I thought it was absolutely oh amazing. wow yeah amazing great shout out to mccall's shout out um to couple of couple of comments what do you reckon hit me yeah yeah we're at 45 minutes but hit me oh uh okay i'll do just some real quick ones then david ellis excellent infotainment gents as always uh ville ehanto blind taste tests are the most entertaining i agree i think they're very entertaining uh josh josh dutton happy to see Formbridge's rating just below paulana was rooting for that one, has had it the other night and thought it was a cracker. Glad the beer expert can back up my affirmations. <laughs> God, let's not make him a separate character to me. Are you, I mean, I don't you want are now the beer it. expert. No, right, no, I'm, you are, I'm you are now the beer Good. expert. Cool. I'm the, I'm the Brad, you are the beer expert. That's, <laughs> we're just going to change your name now. Um, it's more marketable, Johnny. It's more marketable. Than, than Johnny um, Garrett. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I don't know. No, maybe not. 
Um, did you have any comments, Johnny? Even though we're over the the optimum time now by thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, we've gone beyond what people are asking for. Um, yeah, so I picked out one from the backyard brewer who said, "I think it was the fact that the micros were more daring with the recipe and ingredients that they didn't win the head to head, not the other way around, as you were surmising at the end." Germans make the best macro beer on earth, pretty much. It's nothing to lament. Um, absolutely, Germans do make the best macro beer. I think we mentioned that in our our joint Oktoberfest video, didn't we? Um, yeah. nobody makes macro beer like the Germans um, and, but what I wanted to pick up on in this comment is this idea that you know micros are more daring with the recipes and ingredients and that can either be a good or a bad thing um, because it's it's sort of at the heart of craft isn't it the, th- the theory is the marketing is that if you are smaller you can be more flexible you can buy higher quality ingredients you can focus on it you can give it more time all this kind of stuff it's not necessarily true you don't have the buying power of the big breweries you don't necessarily have the capacity to lager things forever um and to be honest if you're brewing a style for the first time you might be super safe with it rather than super daring um so i i wasn't i wasn't surmising i don't think i was i was musing you know i'm not really sure why the smaller breweries didn't do quite as well as as the classic i mean they've paulana have all the world's tech brewing technology at their fingertips all of the experience mm. um all of the distribution to make sure it's bang fresh and packaged right and 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 um put out into the world in the right way so that's always going to help them um and of course they're a german macro brewery so they're, they're the best in the world at doing what they do but i think i think it's worth noting that not many of those recipes did diverge hugely from classic fest beers um the the abbeydale one definitely did that that was just not to style whatsoever um but the others were all pretty down the line all pretty similar so i don't think anybody was daring i don't think anybody was throwing any unusual hops in there in retrospect um when i chatted to james from verdant um about it because he uh he watched that video as well and he said i just want to clear up that you know it was a very safe recipe we did it was um they the i think they said it was their usual house yeast uh their usual starting gravity or f- finishing gravity to their hellas and they just sorry they but they bumped up the starting gravity and added to munich and that was about it so actually they've done it pretty close to probably what what most people would expect um it's just experience in brewing these styles so i fully expect that next year they will be even better uh and will hopefully be growing that kind of segment i hope it's not a flash in the pan i hope it's not a little trend that we had this year i hope it it sticks around because we could have a really great september every year if that continues big time big time mate um I think um, Have we got any. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there was so much we want to talk about. I mean, this is basically a double episode because we missed one, but um, we wanted to talk about the controversy around Brewdog Collab Ooh. Fest. Um, yeah, go on. Which I mean, it's, it's a big topic, but essentially, we and I think a lot of people online have been very disappointed by the breweries that have got involved in the Collab Fest, which is an annual collaboration series that Brewdog do. <coughs> essentially, they pair up their British bars with local breweries. Uh, and those bars brew at those local breweries, a, a style that they release at their um, at their bars, along with lots of others from around the country. Obviously, for us, we're not featuring BrewDog. We're not championing BrewDog in any way at the moment. They have a lot of work to do to atone for their past and to improve their future. Um, and I've just been surprised. The amount of vehemence that there is out there against BrewDog, it turns out 
that if they say, you know, we'll buy a full batch off of you at a decent price, people will work with them, including brews that have done Brave Noise beers, which to me is shocking. Um, so I, I guess my question to you, to everyone out there to think about is, you know, around la- last year, was it? Or the start of this year, we all lost our minds about people pouring at McKellar's Festival. Shouldn't we be doing the same about this with Collab Fest? Why does this feel different? It might be that it is different. I still haven't sort of worked it out in my mind, but I feel like mm. we should not be supporting, certainly supporting this event through these breweries, whether we should be boycotting or kicking off about the breweries that are involved. I, I, I don't know. I haven't formed an opinion on it. Have you got one, Brad? All, I, all I'm going to say is money talks and bullshit walks, right? So you you can you can greenwash yourself and say you know you're you're uh, a, you know a, you have a good policy around uh, all of this sort of stuff and treating people equally and representing people and all the rest of it. Um, but then if you go and do a frigging collab fest with guys that are uh, kind of dicks um, and the opposite of what you say you stand for maybe for a pretty penny then that 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 doesn't that's that's worse than like not saying anything right yeah i mean it, like, it, it is worse because what it looks then looks like is it looks like you did you know the brave noise collaboration or the code of conduct or the the statement online as a marketing trick right yeah yeah because you clearly it don't feels believe disingenuous it. for sure like yeah. it feels like oh okay so it's kind of like uh, it's trendy at the moment to say that sort of thing, or or it makes you feel good to sort of uh, say say that you're <laughs> kind of believe in this sort of how things should yeah, be. Almost buys you some sort of moral grace to do something wrong. Yeah, 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 definitely. Which is weird. I think obviously a lot of people uh, do kind of like stand on the coattails of of movements and get carried along with them, or or it's I think it's. It's it's sometimes it's easier just for people to go yeah I agree I agree with that than kind of come out I mean I don't know who, who these days would come out and say no I don't agree with any of that because it's it's suicide to say that you don't think that people should be treated the same and there shouldn't be discrimination and sexual badness going on in the workplace so you know it's kind of crazy but I I think it's very disingenuous to say you support a movement and then uh just as soon as uh, something comes along just to to go okay i'll take your money and you can sell my beer because you you can you can see why they might with with all the cost of living crisis and for businesses and whatnot probably is harder to sell beer at a decent price and to keep your brewery open but like i'd question is it is it worth putting everything on the line for that one sale you know, where you, you've lost all of this goodwill that's you potentially gained by uh, sharing a, an ethos of being a nice person mm. to then kind of throw it all away to just chase a bit of short term money. Seems yeah. yeah, I guess stupid. I guess our official stance is, you know, in a couple of weeks time, we can be like, was it fucking worth it? Yeah, yeah. that's it. Right. And maybe it is. Maybe it is worth it, Johnny. Maybe these people are struggling that much where they're like, fuck, we need to. So we need to shift some units to uh, keep the lights on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. where I yeah, know. where does that line where does that line sit? We're saying you know support your independence. They should be doing everything that they can to survive. They've got employees to think about, and then we say you know sell as much beer as you can 
except to those guys yeah. you know it is it is it isn't black and white you know i do understand that um yeah. those uh, guys being debate that mm, yeah. sorry what well, yeah those guys being guys that have a network of you know craft beer pubs around the country uh which lots of uh you know they they basically they, they have a network that they can sell your beers if you get in with them right? well yeah i mean so. if you if you think about it and i don't know how many sort of craft beer drinkers really think about this so you you brew a beer yeah. and that has its cost attached and then you've got the cost of you know if you're going to sell to lots of different places you've you've got the the cost mm. of the shipping and the delivery of these beers to lots of different people you've probably got a sales force out there or a salesperson out there that is you're paying and paying a commission to and they're traveling and they've got their costs alongside their wage and their bonuses and all of that. You've then got <clears throat> your time, your logistics to make sure that that all happens. And then the cost of marketing all of those beers of tap badges of all of this, you have brew come along, go, we'll buy it for this amount. You send yeah. all of the pallets to this one location and you, you know, you've sold an entire batch of beer in what a 10 minute phone call, you know, and at the same time, you know you're going to get BrewDog's marketing behind it. Like that is a, that is very easy to convince people that that's a brilliant thing to do for your business. And I think that that's mm-hmm. what's happened. People have gone, I I can't turn that down right now. I'd imagine that would be yeah. the answer from most of the breweries. But yeah, is it is it worth it? You know, I I sat here with a you know we have a small independent business where we can just turn away from BrewDog and go, well, see you later not everybody's in that position. And I would like to think that if I was in the brewery's position, I'd still say no. And there probably are lots of breweries that have had said no and they won't get any thanks for it because they won't be on the posters or anything. But I'd like to think I would, but I don't know the financial situations of these breweries. So that that is the thing, right? Like you just said, if you you did say no, nobody knows you said no, right? Yeah, which shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be a, you know, because that is that is um, virtue signaling. You know, it's, it's like yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not going to do something good unless people are going to say, "Oh, well done." Um, you know, that is a bad approach to have, but it is it is definitely. Well, I, I guess I, the reason I brought that up is because I think we should we should remember you know, maybe look at the breweries that have worked with them in the past and aren't this year. You know, maybe they've they've turned away from it. But you know, it, it's a complicated issue, and actually, maybe I've stumbled across why the McKellar one feels a little bit different, and that's because there's very little commercial benefit to doing the McKellar Festival. You know, that was a jolly for some people that get to go to Copenhagen, get to taste some amazing beer, get to go to a load of tap takeovers and have some great food and then come home. That felt like a real fuck you to the people that have been caught up in the controversies of McKellar and the people that have been, you know, abused and working in toxic workplaces at McKellar because it was like, it's just a jolly, just don't go. Like, how hard is it to not go to a beer festival? Whereas this time we're talking about businesses' livelihoods. And while I think some of the breweries that are involved will be fine without doing Collab Fest, maybe others wouldn't. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, again, I'm interested in everybody's thoughts about what you'd like to see our stance to be, about what you think anybody's stance should be, about what you'll be doing um, as a result of this, if you were going to support them and you weren't, or if you, you weren't going to and now you are, I don't know. Like, we'd love to hear these conversations. We love them in the Patreon forum. We'd love it if you could tag us on social with all of these talks. Uh, and we'd love you to give us your views on this podcast because this is now an hour-long podcast. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. It was a double episode because we didn't have one last week. But I feel like it's gone all right. I feel like we could do this some weeks, not every week. Oh, definitely. Maybe the monthly yeah, one's yeah. a solution. But do let us know your thoughts in the Patreon I, and uh, on social. Go on. I feel like you're wrapping up, but I just wanted to add about 
sort of controversial breweries. Um, Uh-oh. The, the other day on Instagram, uh, you know, sometimes it pops up and it says, uh, this person has a new post or a new story and it kind of wants you to check it out. So it pops up as an alert on your phone. You're not even in Instagram, but it pops up, right? So yep. the other day, for Craft Beer Channel account, it pops up on my phone. Uh, that that what's this for a lineup of rogues, mate? It said, check out these accounts with new stories. Dogfish Head IP, Dogfish Head, Michaela, and Brewdog. I was like, wow. This are they paying to push that? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, I. Um, I more imagine it was like that those a... are accounts that get a lot of engagement, and they're in the beer space, yeah. so the algorithm thinks you you'd be interested in this because you haven't seen these bits yet. Yeah, it said but... this, this, and this. All three of them in one alert that popped up for me, and it made me like think, "Wow, these these are like potentially some bad eggs here that have." Well, I mean, Dogfish Head. All same... they've done is sell to yeah, Sam Adams. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. In fact, they're collaborating with Signature Brew this weekend or next weekend, which I, okay. I didn't know where that sort of came from. We got an invite to the event. Oh, fuck, I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the... There's a punk band playing that I'd heard of as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did see that. It's got an interesting name of the beer, hasn't it? It's like... And it was, maybe that was the band. It was a pear-infused Czech Pilsner, which sent a shiver down my spine. Uh, but (laughs) uh, actually that that reminds me before we go i should plug the event that means that i can't go to that uh that event which is the on saturday night at villages brewery brad are you coming are you about saturday night it's right down your neck Uh, of the woods villages uh oh mate you're what you're coming to villages i'm coming to villages have i not told you about this fuck i've definitely told you about this i may not have told you the date so at villages uh david jesse dozen who uh, was in our documentary talking about uh, the marketing of, of IPA and the exploitation of India. He's released a decolonized, con- not Billy colonized IPA uh, with villages. Yeah. Um, and we're doing a panel talk for Good Beer Hunting. So I'm hosting the panel talk, recording it for a podcast, and we're having amazing Indian food. Uh, actually, from the Gladstone, they're supplying the food, they're catering. We've got the delicious beer on tap, uh, which is a, a, a spiced IPA. And we're going to be talking about um, about the, the history of IPA and the future of IPA in a panel talk. And then there's going to be DJs and great music and all kinds of things afterwards. So if you're about on Saturday night, come down. Uh, I'll be there. Brad might be there. Uh, if I'd Mate, told him the I mean, date, you know I'm in bloody Margate. She didn't oh, tell me this. <laughs> damn it. Sorry, man. What in is this Saturday night? This Saturday night. Oh, Tomorrow. Didn't tell me this. <laughs> God damn. I would have stayed around for that, but now I'm, I'm busy. Well, this, uh, this is going to be an oh, awkward way to end the pod. Yeah, yeah. No, he didn't didn't tell me you're in my in my hood. That <laughs> is do. awkward. I, I what humbly... time is it kicking off, Johnny? Because <laughs> that place gets Ramo on a Saturday night. Uh, I think it kicks off at six. It's not very big. Okay, it's not very big. Uh, uh, villages. It's quite a small tap room. What, why? I'd be you... intri- intrigued to why are you know tearing where down you're... our event. No, no, no. I'm not saying great. it There'll like be plenty that. Plenty of space. Dude. Amazing food. It's all free. Just come on yeah, down yeah, and yeah. talk about the future of it's IPA. all free. It's all free, mate. Really? Well, no, the beer's not free. Come on. But um, what's free? The food's free. No, the, like the entertainment's going free. In. Yeah, and the entertainment. Oh, I say it's right, not a ticketed okay. event. That's what I'm trying to say. So can we just say it's not all free, but you can go in for free, which you can get in for free anyway, you, not all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Bradley, Bradley's really trying to get his own back on me for getting to tell him I'm about hurt. the date. I'm hurt, Johnny. I think I've even talked I'm about it in the podcast. Hurt. Just not told you the date. Oh, um, that's fucked. That's fucked up. <laughs> 
Right, anyway, I'm going to end this podcast here because uh, me and Brad need to have a talk off stage. Um, but yeah, let us know your thoughts about the pod. Let us know your thoughts about the Brewdog Collab Fest. Uh, and as always, please do sign up to our Patreon and you can get involved in the conversations happening there day in, day out, uh, as well as uh, beneath all of our videos. Um, all right, we'll catch you next week. Love you, dear. The Bubble and Friday 5pm podcasts are brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer channel. You can watch over 400 mini documentaries at youtube.com slash the craft beer channel. And if you love what we do, support us via Patreon and get access to merchandise and our amazing Discord forum, a positive and welcoming space for everyone who loves beer, food and home brewing. Love and beer. Love and beer.